Well, as I said earlier, uh, we are going to take the next five weeks to kind of look at the church and how we function as a church in our particular role in the functioning of the body of Christ. I, I found a quote that I'd like to read you that I think really gets to the heart of what we want to communicate in the next number of weeks. And let me read it to you. It is uh, by a guy named Kevin O'Brien, who wrote a book called The Ignatian Adventure. God creates me, all of us, out of love, in a particular time and place, with particular talents and temperaments, strengths and limitations. God continues to create and to reveal who God is to me and who I am before God. I, I got to throw in a little John Calvin here since I am Presbyterian. Um, he said that those two things are inextricably linked, that as we get to know God in a deeper way, uh, we also get to know ourselves in a deeper way. And as we get to know ourselves in a deeper way, we also get to know God in a deeper way. So God invites me to partner or co-labor with God to build a more loving, just, and gentle world. I learned that the best way to praise God, to worship God, is to be who God made me to be. To be the person who God has made me to be, that unique creation, and to honor the uniqueness of other creatures. So the next five weeks, we're going to explore that notion in a number of different ways, how God has, first of all, loved us, created us out of love, but also called us, which we touched on last week, and gifted us with unique gifts and temperaments and experiences, and has also empowered us to do the work that he calls us to do. That's the good news, is we don't do it on our own, but that God calls us, gifts us, gives us these gifts to do the work, and then also through the Holy Spirit empowers us to accomplish what he has called us to do both inside the church and outside the church. The church gathered, what we do here on Sunday, and the church scattered when we scatter out to do all the things that we do during the week. As I said before, one of the core concepts of this is this notion of the priesthood of all believers, which was one of the rallying cries of the Reformation. And that notion says that we are all priests. Did you know that? We are all priests called by God to build bridges between God and each other and ourselves. And I think one of the marks, and this is one of the reasons we're doing this, certainly one of the marks of a healthy church is when all of God's people know their gifts and are using them in the body of Christ, the church. Sometimes people ask me, what, what's your vision for the church? What, what's most important to you? What do you want to see happen in the church? And I, I would say a couple things. Number one, that each person would know the grace of God, that they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are loved more than they could ever imagine. By God, they would know the grace of God. 
And secondly, here would be my second part of my vision for the church, that everyone in the church, every member, would know how God has uniquely designed them, created them, and each one is unique, let me tell you. How God has created each one, and then, with that knowledge, they serve according to those, those gifts. How God has created. Does that make sense? It's a huge part of the will of God for you that often many Christians don't know. Because how am I designed? How has God uniquely designed me with gifts and experiences and personality and temperament, all the rest? And then how do I use those gifts to make a difference in the world and in the church? Oh, it's a beautiful thing to behold when people, when a church is operating in this way, and it's rare. Because most churches, you know what? 10% of the people do 90% of the work. Can I get an amen from that? <laughs> but today we saw our church is doing pretty good. And I, I have to reiterate, the lay people in this church, the lay leadership is just astounding. God has blessed us. So that's what we're going to explore over the next five weeks. We're going to do it through sermons. We're going to do it through this class that I just told you about, Gifts and Call, which um, I think you'll really enjoy. And we're also going to, of course, be discussing it in our life groups. Uh, how is that for two commercials? Real quick. <laughs> life groups and this class, Gifts and Call. So um, I'm excited about it. I, I pray that God does a great work in, in us as we look at this important theology of the church. So today we're going to um, look at probably a familiar parable for you. It's the parable that we often know as the talents, uh, but today you'll see in, our, in the new uh, international version, they, they talk about five and two and one bags of gold. So here it is, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he's coming close to the cross. And so that's good context to know. So here's what he says. And again, in the parables, always look for the surprise, because the surprise, there's usually a surprise, and the surprise usually gives, uh, kind of unlocks the meaning of the parable. So again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. So right away we see we're all uniquely uh, created. Some, have, some are five talents or five bags people, some are two, some are one. But we're to use what we've been given. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. 
Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. All right, there's another truth that we all know. If you do something well, you're going to get more work. <laughs> right? Isn't that true? See how wise Jesus is? I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness or other uh, translations say joy. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you, these are not words you want to hear from the master. You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with at least some interest, right? So, Take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has, whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's not a place where you want to go. You know, let's pray, and then we'll jump in. God, we thank you for this parable that has so much uh, implications for our lives in such important ways, and we pray that you would teach us, that you would help us to understand, and that you would give each one of us, through the work and the power of your Holy Spirit, um, just the word that we need to hear this morning. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You know, I've had the great privilege of speaking at a number of baccalaureates, high school baccalaureates, over the years. And what a great opportunity, right, to speak to these high school graduates, soon-to-be high school graduates, and to talk to them about their life. Because, obviously, this is such an important time of life. They are closing really a huge chapter in their life, not just high school, but really kind of childhood. And they're moving into uh, adulthood, and sometimes that that moving may take a little longer than others, but they're starting, right? And so you have this opportunity, I have this opportunity to speak to them and to talk about life and what they want for their lives. Because they're all asking the question, what am I going to do with my life? 
I have one life to give. One life to live. What am I going to do with it? So what an opportunity to speak into their lives and to help them think about, think about some things that are important. Now, it's just not high school graduation where we ask those questions, right? College graduation, if we are fortunate to go enough to go to college, another time we ask those questions. Transitions in life, when we, you know, one chapter closes and another opens. We always ask these questions, what, what am I going to do with my life? As we look to retirement, we also ask, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Especially now, when we, for many of us, when we retire, you know, we have 20 years ahead, maybe 30, maybe more. I tell you, I've, I've noticed that I used to do most memorials I would do would be people in their 80s. And now I'm noticing it's 90s and even over 100. So, wow, that could be a, a huge chapter of life, right? Retirement. And we want to make a difference still with our lives. So we ask these same questions. What am I going to do to live a good life and to live a life with purpose? And see, this is part of the good news in this parable, in this passage. There's always good news in these passages. Part of the good news is, is God wants us to live purposeful lives, meaningful lives, abundant lives. And God believes that your life is very important. And what you do with your life, no matter what stage of life you are in, is important. And God wants you to live a life that is full and abundant. Christ said, I have come that you might have life and have it abundant, full of purpose and meaning. So Jesus talked a lot about how to live life to the fullest. And this parable is exactly about that. How to live a life that's purposeful and meaningful. And the parable begins with a man, a landowner, going on a journey. And right before he leaves, he gathers all his servants together. This is one wealthy man. And he says, here, you guys, here's some money for you to take care of while I am gone. And there is in that the implication that they're going to do something with it. And let me tell you, <clears throat> this is a lot of money. Uh, oftentimes, you may know this uh, parable as the parable of the talents, and the talents is a it, it, talent is a a measurement of money. And some people, at least the commentaries I've read this week, said, "Man, one talent can be a million dollars." So everybody gets a lot of money. One, one talent. One, two, one, five huge amount of money and they're expected to invest and increase the wealth during their master's absence. So then the master returns, right? And he asks each servant, what have you done with what I gave you? Five talent person 
Master, look what I've done. Ten talents. I doubled, I've doubled your money. Here it is. Two talent, same thing. And then this poor little one talent person or one bag of gold person. Uh, Master, I knew that you were a hard man and you scattered seed where you didn't, or you reaped where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid and I hid your talent in the ground. And I'm not going to make a big point of this, but boy, here's, here's a good point. This servant doesn't really know, you know, God is, Jesus is the landowner here in this parable, and we are all the servants, doesn't really know the nature of Christ. Thinks he's a harsh man, and he's afraid of him. So there's his first mistake. So he hides it, buries this, this bag of gold. And wow, I think the surprise of the parable, don't you think? Surprise of the parable is the master's reaction. Oh my gosh, you wicked, lazy servant. You know, at least you could have just put it in the bank and made some money off the interest to give back to me. And then he says to the other servants, take this guy, throw him out there where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and outer darkness and all that. Oh, not the words you want to hear, right? Harsh. I think that's the surprise. Because we think, oh, well, you know, at least he didn't lose it. But the master says, nah, he should have done something with it. So what does this story tell us about life and what we do with our life? Well, let me lift a couple principles. The first is this. We find life, true life, our lives will be full and purposeful and meaningful when we invest it, our life in something, when we give our lives away. Jesus said this many, many times in the Gospels. If you want to find life, then give your life away, which is a paradox, right? And I got to tell you, there are a lot of paradoxes in Christ's teaching, and when you come across a paradox, pay attention, because usually... There are some nuggets of truth there that are really important. So Jesus is saying, we are to do something with our lives. We're to be productive. And we know this is true, right? This is where joy is found. God gives us so much, and God expects us to do something with what he has given us and someday he will hold us accountable. And so you may ask yourself, well, what has God given me? And can I just tell you, God has given all of us all of life. This, in some ways, is a stewardship sermon, right? What are you going to do with what I've given you? And God has given us everything. Life itself, love, forgiveness, talents, abilities, your mind, your health. Money, property, material possessions, relationships, time, the very air you breathe is a gift of God. This is one of the basic uh, truths underlying Christianity is everything in life is from the grace of God. So this parable begins with grace. 
God has given us so much. And then God asks us, what are you going to do with it? With all that I have given you. And friends, remember, everybody's wealthy in this thing, and all of us here today have been given so much. You know, I, I read a little thing on the internet one time, and it's been a few years now, but I, I, I could go back and check, and I bet it's about the same. And they said, you know, if the world is a village with a hundred people, guess how many people have a, a college education? One. One person in this global village of a hundred has a college education. Two have a high school education. We forget sometimes all that God has given us. And if you look at the amount of money that people have, wow, God has given us so much. And then he asks us, now what are you going to do with what I have given you? And the big clue here to a meaningful and purposeful life is the more we give away, the more we invest, the more will come back to us, the more abundant life we will have. Joy, love. Doesn't matter what it is we give away, the principle remains the same. It will come back in even greater quantities. The more we serve and make a difference in the world for the kingdom of God, which is what this is about, the greater our life will be. It's a paradox. The more we give, the more we receive. And it's so true, is it not? You know, I, I got to tell you something. I've been in ministry for a long time, and really, part of what I do is help people find life, because that's what Christian life is about. And I observe people. And when I do memorial services, oh, I listen so closely. What has made this person's life worth living? I'll tell you, it, there's no doubt. The more you give, the more you receive. The more you give, the richer you are. You know, I remember doing memorial service for a, a guy in our church, a <laughs> little Lebanese guy. He was about five, four, maybe, on a good day. Amazing guy. He retired in Chico, had lived in the Bay Area, retired up there. Um, and started living in Chico at, you know, it's 65, 70 years old. And here was what was amazing. Is when I officiated his memorial service, the church was packed. Absolutely full. And I thought, wow, this doesn't usually happen this way. Usually if somebody moves to a new town far away from where they spent their their life in their occupation and raising a family and all the rest. The church isn't full. But it was that day. Because this little Lebanese guy had a talent that he used with great generosity. And that talent was hospitality. It's kind of like the Bob Wright of the church in Chico. And Bob, you had, and Judy, and many of you have this gift. 
Want to bring people together through food. Isn't that a good thing? He was always cooking. But here's also what he did. Somebody would walk into our church. He would know immediately if that person was a new person or not. And he would go and find that person. And he would talk to them. And he wouldn't just welcome them. But he taught. He never had a conversation less than 10 minutes, right? He'd find out about them. And then he'd hook them up with other people in the church who he knew they would have something in common. And he started, you know, getting them involved in the church. He was like a staff member. When he died, it was a big hole in our church. And he just loved people. Just loved them. The more you receive, the more you give away, the more you get. And man, he knew like he was rich in the things of God. Love and joy making a difference. So when he died, suddenly, wow, people came out. And when we had an open mic, people were sharing from this club and this organization and this place of where they knew him. And wow, it just went on and on and on. Five-talent guy who invested in people and gave his life away and because of that, he was rich in the things that really matter. Second principle is this. To live life to the fullest, you must take risks. This is so interesting in this parable, isn't it? You would think that the master wouldn't get so angry with this guy. Well, he didn't really do anything wrong. He, just, he didn't really take any risks. And I often wonder, what if he had taken a risk and lost the money. What do you think would have happened? I think the master would have said, well done, good and faithful servant. <laughs> At least you tried. At least you took a risk. At least you did something. And see, this is the life of faith. This is the adventure of Christianity. You know, sometimes we think most people think Christianity is a safe little thing that, that you do to kind of keep the status quo and kind of get through life without a lot of risk. No, I don't think so. I think what God calls us to do is to step out in faith. You see it over and over and over again in the Bible where people are taking steps of faith, risking, moving into areas that they don't feel real comfortable, trusting God. And see, that's what these first two Servants did, and the last one didn't because he didn't know the goodness of the master and was afraid. To have a purposeful life, you got to take risks. You know, I've met so many people in their 40s and 50s who have told me that in their 20s, when they were trying to decide what to do with their life, they had a passion. They knew what they sh was important to them, something they really wanted to do to make a difference, even felt God leading them, but they didn't do it because they were afraid. And they didn't risk. To live life to the fullest, you must take risks. And the last thing I would say is, what we do with our lives is very important to God. Well, I... The key to unlocking the message of a parable is the surprise element. And I, wouldn't you agree the surprise is the reaction of the master? Wow, you wicked, lazy servant. 
takes away the talent and says, throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I think that's surprising. What a harsh reaction. See, the Bible uses hyperbole. And I think this is hyperbole. Jesus is trying to get a, a point across. And the point is, what you do with your life is really important to God. It's really important. Jesus is trying to get our attention by being harsh. There's only one of you. No one can do exactly what you can do. Do you know that? Come to Gifts and Call, you'll find that out. God has made you uniquely to live a purposeful, meaningful life. That's what Jesus came to give us. I love what C.S. Lewis said, and as only C.S. Lewis can say, he says, I don't think of hell so much as fire and brimstone, weeping and gnashing of teeth, as I see hell as the time of life when, after we die, we will see a movie of our missed opportunities entitled, What Might Have Been. <laughs> My dad had his own little version of that. He said, hell is going to be where we spend eternity thinking about all the real estate deals we should have made. <laughs> you see, I think Jesus, Jesus is harsh here because he wants us to live life full. And he wants us to be able to look us in the eyes and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and enter into my joy. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this powerful parable. And we thank you that you want to give us purposeful and meaningful and joyful lives. Help us to hear your call. Help us to know how you have created us uniquely and beautifully and wondrously. And Lord, help us with courage and with confidence and with energy. Respond to that call. Lord, we thank you that you are a good master who loves us more than we will ever know and that you walk with us, that you have gifted us, and that you will empower us to help make this world a more gentle and loving and just place. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.